Okay, well, Marcy, thanks so much for, for joining us on EdTech today. I'm really glad you joined us. Thanks, I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Kevin. Uh, I think we should just kind of dive right into the weeds here. Uh, some big news coming out from PowerSchool. I know the company over a number of years, both reporting upon it, as well as using it as a parent. And I know uh, teachers uh, with, my, with my kids have been using it back and forth in a variety of its different uh, life forms. Uh, there have been lots of changes and, and lots of changes most recently over the past three or four years. Um, just wanted to just dig in and let us know about the, the latest and greatest. Thanks, appreciate it. So PowerSchool, um, as you noted, has changed a lot and we're excited this um, year specifically to be launching the Unified Classroom 2021. Um, this has been an evolution for us and we're excited about bringing out um, the next um, version of Unified Classroom that really brings together teaching and learning tools into a comprehensive solution. Yeah, so uh, I guess my first question would be, um, and unfortunately we still need to talk about it because the pandemic is still part of our day-to-day -day lives to a certain degree, and especially from the educators uh, side of things. Um, first question is, how are you able to accomplish new product launches or mergers or other sort of like big picture sort of business? Well, I mean, there was a time there, all I could do is get to the supermarket and not forget my mask. And it seems that the ed tech industry in general has not only kind of stayed steady, but almost thrived during this time. Do you have any explanation for that? Well, I think it has been a challenge, I think, for everybody. As you noted, um, you know, we're all parents and uh, employees and citizens, um, you know, trying to progress through the pandemic. But I have to say the PowerSchool team has just been phenomenal. And I think our customers have just been phenomenal. Um, you know, as, as CPO, my role at PowerSchool is really to manage the product, the roadmap and delivery and making sure that we're bringing innovation forward. And that takes the ecosystem working with us and it takes the PowerSchool team delivering. And um, I think, you know, what we've been focused on during the pandemic, but even, you know, kind of the through line past the pandemic is bringing forward innovation that will make a difference from small things, you know, like making sure that attendance is embedded and written back easily from LMS, you know, thinking about, what other things we can do to make teachers more efficient, uh, not just during the pandemic, but really long-term. And that's, you know, I think through that, you know, there's just been a lot of commitment to making sure that we're, our solutions are scaling and that we're ready for the next horizon. Yeah. Now, I know in conversations that I've had with educators and specifically directors of technology, uh, who are in, I would say, particularly more innovative districts, uh, maybe they're tech forward. Um, mm -hmm. They drank the Kool-Aid about the use of technology and the use of data in classrooms uh, a long time ago. Many of them almost have a, a little bit of a guilt, a guilty pleasure in the fact that all these tools that they have advocated for so long, there were people might've looked their nose up at them or were just afraid of them. They were, they were worried about the data. They were worried about... And now, because of this great beta test um, that occurred with remote learning and remote working, uh, when you look at it for faculty level, people had to use it whether they liked it or not. And they've discovered that, in fact, there are a lot of benefits to it. 
Uh, I know Power School and I know the tools that that you have and that you've uh, acquired over the years. They were there before the pandemic. Uh, have you seen a change in their usage or even a, a change in behavior? Is there less of a resistance to them? Or we'll talk a little bit about uh, how COVID affected the use of your tools. Sure. Uh, well, of course, uh, like many companies, we saw like double digit you know, usage growth, like triple yeah. digit, quadruple digit uh, growth on some of our platforms during the pandemic. Um, and I, I think that's part of the reason we wanted to push um, our unified classroom forward even faster, to be honest, is to push against that integration framework and make sure that we were bringing that solution together as rapidly as possible uh, because of the dramatic need with digital tools. Um, as you mentioned, we've seen dramatic increase in usage. And I think that one thing that is, I think inspiring really about what I've seen with our educators is that they, they were you know, pushed into this space in a rapid way, but they have done such incredible innovative things with the tools. And they've, you know, they've been the ones pushing, you know, like, hey, we, it would be so much easy for us if you could do this and this and this. Uh, and integrate those tools. We want special programs to be integrated into our unified classroom. We want assessment and standards-based and mastery-based learning to happen directly into one platform. And a lot of that's what drove us towards this unified classroom vision, and we'll keep progressing on it um, even beyond what we uh, brought out this spring. Yeah. What I, it, I think several myths have been busted uh, over the course yeah. of this, this past 16 months, right? I mean, and, and one of them uh, with, as you said, the, the increased participation of teachers in this remote setup. I mean, they, they really had to bring an own agency to themselves, which they mm -hmm. might not have had before, uh, and spend some hours kind of really combing through a power school type platform. I mean, and not only PowerSchool, but in any sort of platform, there are always a lot of things which I would call like that version of shelfware, right? It's like, oh, well, this tool does this, 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 and this. But if they didn't have it during their professional development workshop three days before the first day of school, they might not even know it's there, right? They might not even know it existed. But now because of this, this switchover, they found it. And so, as I said, one of the myths that I think is busted for a lot of teachers is that these technologies are going to ultimately prove to be a replacement of them because we've all discovered that there's no way i mean how important teachers are number one but number two that somehow technology is going to replace a teacher in a classroom oh no that's um i think that's absolutely not true that is as you stated a myth yeah i think the what we see is that the platforms should support teachers in what they're doing i mean there's a a common uh, statistic, you know, roughly 45 to 49% of teachers' time is spent on administration, which is just really a shame because most teachers that I get to interact with probably the same thing with you, Kevin, like they go into teaching because they want to make a difference for kids. That's right. And when they spend so much time on administrative uh, stuff that kind of, you know, that's de depleting and deflating. Um, and so, Part of what we want to do in our classroom suite and really actually all our products is just give them time back so that they can spend time on the things that, you know, really help students grow and achieve and really achieve those types of, uh, you know, what, 
what students want to do and teachers enabling them to achieve those things. And that, you know, that's just empowering our educators instead of, you know, uh, creating uh, any sort of replacement model with some sort of technology. Yeah. Another myth um, that I recall from BP before the pandemic, there was a general negative perception about data, right? Which is mm. data was a, a, you know, a bit of a boogeyman uh, for a lot of districts when you saw, I don't know, people worried about student information and student information being used incorrectly or you know, just kind of being out there. Um, but I think there's also been a, a change in that where people are finding the importance of it. Um, and as, as you mentioned about teachers getting into the profession, a lot of teacher resistance to data where they were saying, I'm an artist, I'm not an accountant. Like, I don't need these numbers. I, I, mm. I, I know my kids. But again, when you're in a remote setup or in a hybrid setup or whatever you are, you start to see some of the benefits of using data to your advantage, right? Especially when it comes to personalized learning, one of those great education phrases uh, that maybe was a theory, but now is, is, is more of a reality. Can you talk a little bit about uh, the data myth? Yeah, so I, no, I agree. Like, I think, I don't, I think that, you know, depending on what your knowledge of data, it might be where you sit on the spectrum, right? Yep. Um, and I think what, you know, we're interested in doing is uh, empowering with data. And like you mentioned, like when you're maybe not be able to sit across from your student one-on-one and uh, see firsthand, you know, aha moment, if you will, Yeah. Uh, you know, you need the, the mastery, you need to be able to draw on data of discussion engagement. Um, you know, we've seen a big uptick in engagement with the platform and are starting to see some early results of how that correlates ultimately to student growth and achievement. And I think those are the types of things where teachers appreciate having that kind of data at their fingertips. And like you said, that's really the foundational element for personalized learning. If you understand where a student is from, you know, a competency or mastery, because you have all that data coming together from assessments and learning activities and discussion points, then they're really empowered to put them on a personalized path. Uh, and that's really, you know, honestly, that's what Unified Classroom is about is like, if they have all that student mastery and performance data together, then they're not pulling it, you know, for, from, you know, literally like 20 different sources a lot of times because they yeah. have different applications they're using and they need all that to be in one place to decide what the next best step is for that student. One of the, one of the other uh, aspects of this great disruption that I found, and again, as a parent, uh, I found much more of my own personal agency uh, and involvement within the school. Now, a lot of it is the synchronous, like what we're doing right now with Zoom. I, I've Zoomed more and spoken more with my kids' teachers in the past year than I have in the 15 years that I've had kids in school, right? So, I mean, so maybe that, that's, a, that's kind of a net benefit to that. Uh, but the other thing is I've really seen me using the platforms to check mm -hmm. for grades and to check for homeworks. Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about how has PowerSchool made any pivots in terms of um, making the parents, I mean, I, I think they always were a part of the equation, but I mm -hmm. wouldn't say a major part of the equation, at least how I would cover the industry. You know, 
writing about ed tech for 15 years, probably wrote five stories that involved parents. Uh, right. And, and now they're up now they're in everything. They're in every conversation. Talk yeah. a little bit about any pivots that you see there from power schools perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think, you know, those that have maybe done research and education know that parents are probably one of the most effective things that we can, you know, do. And I think that, like you said, the pandemic probably highlighted that even more. And what, um, what we're focused on, I guess, with Unified Classroom is having the parents be an integral piece of that um, path forward. So not just teachers having great data and information, but also parents having great data and information. And I think it goes beyond um, grades. Like you said, you're probably used to senior grades. I know I check my my son's grades all the time. Uh, And, you know, it's it's always good to know the grades, but the grades kind of like the end game. Um, And if you understood really what was happening with your students as they were going through the path, like, then you would be able to not like you said, meet with their teachers on a and have a much richer conversation than wow, they got to the end of the semester and they made a C minus and I don't understand why. That's it's way too late. Um, so what Unified Classroom does is engage that much earlier. So teachers have great mastery information and understand what kind of uh, special accommodations they might have, you know, for our students with special needs they have all those things and they understand exactly what assignments um, they've been doing and how they've been progressing in those assignments, not even graded assignments, just, you know, how, how they participated in a discussion, how they, you know, worked on the formative assessment, all that is accessible by parents as well Mm -hmm. uh, in unified classroom. And I won't throw any of my kids under the bus. So I'll, I'll keep it. Uh, anonymous, but I, I had a conversation with a teacher. One of my kids decided that because we were home working and he was doing so well on tests that uh, he didn't have to do their homework anymore. So, I mean, why do their homework when I was doing the test? You know, and he made this executive decision without consultation, uh, yeah. but, but it's, you know, it, it rose, you know, the red flags started to go up and I felt that the teacher was able to use the data, as you said, I mean, just so specific, like, well, you know what? He didn't do the quiz on Tuesday and he didn't hand in this particular assignment and this particular assignment. It just gives you this third, almost like a third party to, to both the parent and the teacher to work off of. And, yeah. and at one point he was, the, the teacher was like, well, it's up here. Did, did you check it yourself? Did you, were you doing your own homework? And I had to admit that I, I hadn't been uh, following along. So Again, those were things that were in place, but I never used them at all. Mm-hmm. But now it's become a proficiency, and I think it's become a general proficiency, right? I mean, so let's let's look forward a little bit to to the fall. Um, how do you see districts uh, implementing this uh, to a to a greater degree? Uh, do you already have districts who are your beta testers, I assume? But uh, talk a little bit about the next steps and where you see this being implemented. Yeah. So yeah, we do have a pretty robust beta program to, because we have to get the feedback, you know, as we go through the, the development process and the feedback that we've gotten from districts is they're very excited about, um, again, having that data interaction. So one of the early um, elements that we rolled out actually in January was to our beta testers was 
just all their performance data going into one place. So no matter if it was an interim assessment or a formative, lots of formatives going on out there during the, um, during the pandemic, you know, having that data being um, synthesized together into a single dashboard, that was, you know, they just love that because again, like they don't, they don't have access to that type of data today. So that was one big piece. The other thing that people are really excited about is just simple efficiencies. Like right now, um, you know, a lot of teachers will go to their SIS to take attendance, which is something that you have to do every day. They were doing that even during the pandemic. Maybe they were checking Zoom calls. I heard a lot of actually feedback from teachers. They were just writing it down and then they would log it all at the end of the day at midnight, which is just really a long day uh, yeah, yeah. For, for them, right? And so, but attendance, as we all know, is really important from a funding perspective. So, you know, we've integrated that directly into their LMS. So, you know, they open the course up, they're working with their students, they can just take their attendance right there. So just types of things. Uh, the other piece that we've gotten great feedback on is integrating our special programs into our learning experience. I think, you know, most students are in the general education uh, mainstream class. They, they have special accommodations for different reasons, but having all that data in one place, those alerts, they can create their groups directly in their LMS, those types of things, the feedback from our customers has just been, you know, just, it's going to save them so much time and it's going to be a better experience for students. Yeah. And so that's the type of feedback we've gotten. And I think that, you know, you asked, you know, what will happen in the fall, you know, everything that we've heard from our customers is they want to adopt it and roll it out as, you know, as quickly as they can, because it does add so much efficiency and experience improvement for them. Right, right. Any other um, innovations or techniques that kind of sprung out of this great experiment over the past year that you can, you can point to uh, that, that will hopefully maybe stick around when we go back to normal or whatever that is? Oh, you mean, but during the pandemic, yeah. any other big inspirations? I think, you know, I think some of the things that we probably prioritize faster than, uh, you know, we may have in a traditional in-classroom setting were, you know, just digitizing more things like digital signatures on all our, you know, special programs. You know, you can't sit down with a parent in an in-person meeting anymore. You have to do yeah. it on Zoom. Well, you have to make sure that that's just an embedded workflow. So right. improving those types of things. Um, you know, we're, we have another innovation that we did in a very rapid fire model, which was you have a lot of students uh, working in a lot of different ways, some in hybrid, some in class, some in virtual. And everything I've heard from schools and districts is that they're going to continue having a virtual option, right? Because there's yep. some kids that actually thrive in that option right. so that and you know you need to have a lot of flexibility in your scheduling you need something we're calling like informed uh attendance so that you can automatically just record that attendance it doesn't require you know if they attune the zoom call it automatically checks it off those types of innovations have come out uh, during a pandemic and i think just the awareness also of enabling district administrators to understand what's happening in their district. So lots of uh, usage and engagement type of dashboards with data through our Unified Insights platform has pushed forward because district administrators have had rapid you know, investment in technology, but now they wanna know 
well, how is it doing? Who is logged in? Like who's spending time on it? What are the results of them spending time on it? And so we have pushed forward on a lot of that innovation much faster because of just the intense need for it. And I hope that that won't change because I think it's been a, it's been a, like, like you mentioned, it's been kind of a, uh, some people were five years ahead, but some people had to do it very, very quickly. And I think if they, if, if districts have the tools that they need to understand how the technology is being used, I think they're going to continue using the technology because it does give them a different type of visibility that they've never had before. Um, so, yeah, I mean, especially if it's removing um, a lot of the back office drudgery, right? For, yeah. for teachers. I mean, that's what you mentioned, even just that age old, you know, taking attendance. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a cliche almost, but it's, it's a necessary <laughs> yeah. one. Uh, yeah. And if and if, if those sort of things can be taken away, I think uh, again teachers will be like, all right, well maybe I will learn how to use this if it helps me not do that. <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that's great. Well, so um, I knew one of the toughest parts of this conversation would be to to end it, but we we could go on for a while about a lot of this stuff. But let me finish up by asking you um, where you see unified classroom in, in 2023 or 2025? I mean, as these innovations continue to evolve, um, talk a little bit about it. And I guess we didn't touch too much on assessment, but uh, you know, that's another a big disruptor that happened here. But yeah, if best case scenarios, um, we go back to whatever uh, normal is, uh, and these technologies continue to accelerate, where do you kind of where do you see the platform space in, in say, three years time? Where we see the platform going is continuing to leverage innovation. And uh, that means empowering our teachers and also empowering our students. You mentioned earlier in the conversation about parent agency. I see student agency continuing to be such an imperative, but we can empower the platform to help with that through uh, innovation of AI and ML technology not to like replace anything, but to offer up what is the next, you know, what is the next best learning experience based on what your interests are or what your, you know, what your hobbies are or what your, you know, what you want to pursue in a career. You can, you know, enable so much more to be personalized in that experience and that pathway. And so that's where I see us going is, continue to infuse in technology that supports that personalization. Not maybe the ways that we've seen it to this point, which is generally around like standards and offering up another assignment based on a gap in your learning. It's really about customizing and tailoring that experience and enabling the student agency to drive towards their own goals. And so that's where we would like to take things uh, you know, as we look into the future is how do we enable that pathway to be personalized and have the teacher and the student and the parent or the guardian working together um, in a very enabled environment that has all the data they need to be successful. It almost sounds like um, the use of data to have a more holistic yes. uh, application, yeah. which is, uh, which would be pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's really, it's truly bringing the life of a whole child education to life yeah. is how I would see it. Well, um, good luck. 
I think thank uh, you so much after enduring what we've all endured here, both uh, personally and professionally. And I think the enthusiasm that I see, uh, not only in the industry, but in on the educator side to get back and to kind of use some of these new innovations and ideas um, that we won't talk about learning loss, but just an acceleration. And maybe uh, this will kind of help propel us into a, a new age of uh, student learning and the use of data to help with student learning. So uh, I appreciate the work that you folks do there at PowerSchool. Uh, thank you for your time and your insights and look forward to talking to you, maybe hopefully in person at an ISTE or something. Sounds great, Kevin. It was my pleasure. Thanks great. for having me. And thanks everybody for watching or listening. Uh, I'm Kevin Hogan. I hope you find us uh, in another episode of EdTech Today soon.